Are we rolling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sound. I'll sound. Speed. All right, guys. All right, one take. All right, mark it. All right, action. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Film and You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. It's floating pictures, it's so great. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Filming You In. This is a beautiful afternoon. We're a week removed from the NFL season, so we thought we'd review a football movie, and we're reviewing any given Sunday. Um, I'm Max Grill. I'm with you most of the time, but uh, making his inaugural appearance, we got uh, Tristan. Hey guys, what's going on? Tristan, this is your very first Filming You In, correct? Very first time, yes. All right. Okay. Okay. Are you nervous? Oh, you know, I think any good uh, com- competitor has a fair amount of first-time jitters. You feel kind of like Willie Beeman. You're kind of getting called up into the big leagues now. Minus the vomiting, but who knows. <laughs> I, I puked a few times before coming out here. <laughs> well, you know the basic plays, so that's good. So, Well, we watched the movie Any Given Sunday, mm-hmm. um, a 1999 Oliver Stone film. A classic. There wasn't really a lot of football movies like this movie um, up to that point. No, certainly not kind of a Nostradamus of how the NFL is now. It's a, a, a bizarro universe. Of what year is this? This is 99? <laughs> it's kind of channeling stuff 20 years later now. Definitely a uh, a very Oliver Stone take on a beloved pastime. Yes. Um, you know, grossed about a hundred, a little over a hundred million dollars worldwide. Um, 99 was a pretty good year for movies overall. What else is um, up there? We had movies in 99, such as The Green Mile, Cider House Rules, oh, heck. Uh, Galaxy Quest, very, very amazing movie. Um, but then other big movies like American Beauty, uh, The Matrix came out, Fight Club came out, The Sixth Sense came out, Magnolia came out, a, l- a little movie called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace came out, oh, man. Um, and of course, course uh, Toy Story 2. It's a hell of a good year. Yeah, uh, Any Given Sunday kind of got um, some delays in production. Uh, NFL was not happy about this movie existing. Can't imagine why. Um, yeah, I can see NFL being a little upset about it. Uh, but yeah, released in uh, December 99, just towards the end of that year. Magnolia got released. There was a movie called Talented Mr. Ripley, Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, and uh, Girl Interrupted. Those are kind of the movies that are getting released around the time this movie came out. That's so interesting deep, winter 99. A deep year. But the best movie came out in 99. Can you guess what the best movie in December 99 was that came out? The best movie in December of 99. Yeah, come on. That was a really good year. What? <laughs> Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> duh. It got robbed from the Oscars I remember year. where I was when I first saw that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted to review Deuce Bigelow, but I settled for any given Sunday. So um, Oliver Stone, uh, this is his first football movie. Had an interesting kind of uh, lead up. To this 99 movie, uh, some movies that he directed before, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, mm-hmm. came out in 1989. He had a pair of movies in 91 come out, uh, The Doors and JFK. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Natural Born Killers come out in 94. So then uh, this is kind of him resurfacing five years later to come up with Any Given Sunday. Mm-hmm. Interesting uh, Natural Born Killers and then boom, Any Given Sunday. It's kind of on the same, same <laughs> yeah. level, you know? 
Of course, uh, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to do a football movie on this show because the NFL season is over. It um, is, unfortunately. Super Bowl was a week ago. But you know what? Starting tomorrow, the Alliance of American Football starts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what's up with that league? I've never even heard of that league. <sighs> no one has until a week ago. And we got XFL starting next year? Next year, I believe, yeah. Arena football still kicking. Oh, CFL <laughs> still going. Yeah. I hope um, that they bring back a NFL Europe. Was a big Ryan Fire guy back oh, in the day. Yeah. So what what is this new league that's coming out? I kind of like just saw a commercial for it. And I'm just kind of confused. Like San Antonio has a team, right? San Antonio has a team. I believe Houston. Or wait, no, that's the XFL. So the XFL is coming out with teams as well. Has that been released as well? Yeah, so actually, football happening now. Bob Stoops out of nowhere agreed to be the the coach and GM of the Dallas it. team. Yeah, like what the fuck? Bob Stoops <laughs> coaching <laughs> XFL. <laughs> Um, do we know what this league is called in any given Sunday? I actually kind of don't remember what this league was called. I don't know if we get a name. I don't know. We know about the Pantheon Cup. That's all we know, that they're Which trying to win Pantheon weird... Cups. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the Super Bowl is a dumb enough name. Super Bowl is so accept basic. It. Yeah. Uh, but the Pantheon Cup, I... <sighs> yeah, it's just when they're saying it, it's just... I mean, on, on script to just, you know, on from on paper to acting it out, just saying, like, well, we won the Pantheon Cup two years ago. Just like, what is the Pantheon <laughs> Cup? I just need something in the middle here. We got Super Bowls, very basic, and then Pantheon Cup's like, whoa. It's just, I don't know what the middle is here. And yeah, Super Bowl, I, I guess the story of the Super Bowl, the actual name was the owner of the league back in the day. They were trying to find like a zippy name for their championship game, like once they merged the AFL and NFL together. Right. And as the story goes, his daughter was playing with a Super Bowl, that very popular toy for kids back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and it just clicked or something. Yeah. And Super Bowl. Oh, and it has a ring for it. Super Bowl Sunday just always sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. No matter what. Pantheon Cup Sunday. You know, uh, baseball has the World Series. I think mm-hmm. that's like a pretty awesome name. Yeah. Like the World Series because like there's so much international uh, flavor in mm-hmm. baseball. Oh, uh, the NBA Finals. NBA right Finals, now. I think, is the best. It's just like we won an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. It just seems like, well, yeah, that's what it really is. Yeah. You know, but I guess NFL Championship Sunday is more referred to... Uh, the NFC AFC games, yeah, really than the actual Super Bowl itself. Mm. Interesting though enough, um, NFL refused to participate in this movie whatsoever. Um, we mentioned before that they kind of they were suing this movie over how it was uh, depicting oh, really? their game, so it kind of delayed production with a lawsuit for uh, about eight months. I guess it got delayed. Damn. Basically, not allowing their players to be a part of any of this, mm-hmm. um, even though they have reached out like we wanted some actual players in that. The movie, though, because they got no NFL participation, they kind of, what they did was they kind of tried to reimagine. There was two versions that were competing with the NFL in the 70s and 80s, respectively. There was the World Football League in the 70s, mm-hmm. and then there was the United States Football League in the 80s that tried to rival unsuccessful the NFL's boss, the NFL won. Basically trying to just channel that, and they tried to make this into... A successful version of that. Because yeah. even mentioned, we're following the Miami Sharks, that the Miami Dolphins, there's a hint that they exist in Miami as well. Mm. Yeah. They had to kind of make up their imaginary. Not surprising. I mean, the movie really does show a the unsightly scenes of how brutal this, this game can actually be. Which now, you know, in the past, I guess probably decade, 15 years since, uh, it's been definitely a more public kind of conversation. Yes, definitely. like the long-term effects. Oh, no, no, for sure. And it's funny, like, this movie came out in 99, now it's just like this movie would just be kind of 
an echo chamber at this point or yeah. something of just like everything we do know. But mm-hmm. in 99, no one was really uh, showing the sport for yeah. like how it is, mm-hmm. you know, injuries, um, people trying to not lose their career. Um, well, that's like when the NFL kind of dark still, side of everything. Yeah, like releasing these uh, these like, you know, best of tapes of like biggest hits. Or what was that uh, that segment that uh, Chris Berman had on ESPN? Uh just like showing guys getting the shit knocked out of them. Yes, And it was exactly. like, you fuck yeah. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. And then I was like, yeah. It's still, you know, we love the big hits. And now Clay Matthews just touches Kirk Cousins and it's a passenger. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you wave in front of Tom's face. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Then the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs player just touched uh, Tom Brady's shoulder pad. Barely even touched him. Yeah. Uh, fucking ridiculous. I would love to see that in this movie. <laughs> how that would actually play out. Oh, Coach Tony would not have it. No, he would not have any of that. Um, of course, everyone, we're going to get into the film focus. We don't hold back. This is going to be full of spoilers. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go into the film focus. Hey, hey, Hocus Pocus, it's the film focus. Well, let's talk about a uh, pretty big cast. Um, it's kind of like a start for a lot of them, but obviously Al Pacino has been around forever. He's mm-hmm. playing uh, the head coach, Coach Tony. Dresses in some awesome suit coats and definitely the shortest coach ever in the league. Yeah, this is uh, I, I always knew Al Pacino was kind of a short guy, but this mm-hmm. movie finally made me realize like, oh, he's a short dude. Oh yeah, and Cameron Diaz, who plays the um, newly appointed general manager in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Cameron Diaz just was in my best friend's wedding. Not really the Cameron Diaz we know today. Maybe she was in The Mask. Maybe that came out around that same time. Wasn't this after something about Mary? Uh, I think this is around the same time as There's, there's Something About Mary. Yeah. I think There's Something About Mary is like early 2000s. So Cameron Diaz is on the rise, but there's scenes when she's talking with Coach Tony Al Pacino. She's got a good like six inches on him. Oh, she, she towers over him. Uh, Jamie Foxx even. He's like a short dude. Mm. Jamie Foxx, of course, plays Willie Beeman in this movie. He's like 5'9". Mm. Well, what was Coach Tony's you know, football playing career like? What What position was he? I don't know. I don't know if he ever even played uh, football. They never really got into that. He just got in by, by sheer tyranny of will. Yeah, I mean, he's just an old school coach. He just knows everything about football. His whole life's been this just way. Just turn on that speech, you know? that yeah. speech thing. Of course, also there's Aaron Eckhart. Mm-hmm. Um, Eckhart? 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 Uh, Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent, yeah. <laughs> um, He's in this. He uh, plays Coach Nick. He's the offensive coordinator. He came all the way from Minnesota. To Sean just, McVay. Yeah, he's Sean McVay, basically, before Sean McVay was born. Was Sean McVay born before this movie? He was 12. Okay, yeah. Sean McVay got some uh, notes from Coach Nick of uh, his new scheme offensive play calling. So, pretty big cast. Uh, Lawrence Taylor plays mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown, of course, uh, legendary uh, Browns running back, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yes, so uh, he was a defensive coordinator in this movie. James Wood is... Uh, Dirty Doctor Man. Who James has James Woods ever not played a dirty, scuzzy dude? I would love to see James Wood in like a family friendly movie <laughs> where he's like this like dad that loves his kids. <laughs> Surely he has one one in his catalog of being not a piece of shit. I'm trying to think, you know, where James Woods was a good guy ever. <laughs> I just can't even imagine him. James Woods just like, ah, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. And yeah. you see his face like, I don't trust you. You're up to something. There is uh, this really awful movie with Jamie Foxx, actually, uh, White House Down, where uh, they do it. Did you ever see White House Down? I, Channing I, Tatum. I remember. Jamie Foxx is basically the uh, the president. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not basically. He is the He's president. He's the president. And there's an attack on Washington, yeah. the White House, or what have yeah, you. Yeah, so uh, James Woods is uh, the like head of like the Secret Service 
and he's got a plan to like um, hijack the White House and make his demands, kind of like The Rock meets, basically like The Rock. Um, but it's a twist that James Wood is evil. And it's just like the same thing with The Rock with Ed Harris. It's like it's never a twist it's with never. James Wood or Ed Harris. Like that's the number one rule book in any movie. Don't trust this person. <laughs> Matthew Modine is the young and up and coming doctor that he. Uh, oh, Doctor ba- Joker. He basically just knows uh, James Wood's your doctor. He's up to some bad stuff. He's not. So. Your, your players are not okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's basically it for the cast, uh, unless I'm kind of missing anybody. Uh, um, my favorite turn is the uh, the openly alcoholic uh, announcer played by the director, Oliver Stone. Yeah, Oliver Stone is a TV announcer in this movie, and he's just drinking whiskey <laughs> and calling games. Um, like, does he need to be drunk for that? I don't know. What's I his backstory? Oliver Stone's the director, so I'm gonna, he's just doing whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was just drinking. He was actually uh, drinking. He was just drinking because he got another like cease and desist from the NFL during <laughs> uh, one of his many takes. Uh, yeah, right away. So let's kind of get into what, what we're seeing in this movie. We, we don't know what the league's called, but we're following the Miami Sharks. They mm-hmm. have old school coach Tony, played by Al Pacino. They're right away in a game. Oh, we forgot about uh, Dennis Quaid as well. Oh, yeah. Dennis Quaid is playing the 39-year-old quarterback, like legendary. kind of has this Brett Favre, like Iron Man mystique, like playing at 39. Like, I guess Tom Brady as well. Uh Still playing, battling through injuries. Where boom, we're in the middle of the season. They're in a four-game losing streak. Uh, the team was successful a couple years ago, but things aren't going well. The owner has passed away. Who coached Tony and him were very close. Cameron Diaz is his daughter. Played uh, Christina is her name, and she's taken over the franchise. And the franchise has basically a lot of aging people, and they're playing. They're not getting with the times of this game, and. We find that she's hired uh, Aaron Eckhart's character, Nick, offense coordinator from Minnesota, to inject new plays, a new style of offense, but Coach Tony ain't having any of that. Oh, we forgot about LL Cool J as well. I mean, don't most people know. LL <laughs> Cool J is uh, the older running back. Um, you know, all these people are we're, we're led to believe are future Hall of Famers, but the game is getting past them, and they're on a four-game losing streak, and they won't um, evolve, mm-hmm. I guess. So right away off the bat, boom. Dennis Quaid gets hit, lower back injury or back injury, laying there on the field, hurt. And the second string quarterback, forgot his name, goes in there and gets hurt immediately after. As they do. And uh, yeah, so boom, we're on to third stringer Willie Beeman. No one's ever heard of this guy, although it's like, I mean, I can name third stringers on NFL teams today, but he's reading a newspaper. He's not even paying attention in the game. He's reading the newspaper. <laughs> Kind of like channeling uh, James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues, just reading uh, Slaughterhouse Five instead of just like paying attention to the game. So <laughs> he was just at a professional level. So. Uh, but he's thr- he's thrusted into this role. He has to be the starter, and he doesn't know the plays. He's rusty. Gets hit. They lose the game by three. Oh, calls the wrong plays. Vomits. Vomits uh, once. Yeah, vomits Ooh. in the huddle, and uh, everyone's upset. It's it's remarkable to me in this moment though of how everyone just acts like they don't know who he is. Even his teammates are just like, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> what are you calling? Um, a couple late hits that they didn't call, but he's just getting hit. He's getting roughed up, not making passes. Oh, that was the old, not NFL. Yes, yes, yes. It's um, fucking Wallace. Yeah, this is a very pantheon cup of them. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, and. Jamie Foxx is just kind of trying to get with it. Um, Willie Beeman shows some flashes of how special he could be. He's like a mobile quarterback before the NFL really has seen a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they lose by three, but uh, 
we cut to Cap and his injury's not good. He's got a back injury. He's so 39 hurting. years old. Season's over. And here we go. It's Willie Beeman time. And uh, they start the, the second stringer again in the next game, but he's just bad. He's bad at football. We don't really talk about the second stringer as much because he gets to start the next game and it's just like he can't play at all. Uh. <laughs> so it makes me question of like, what was this depth behind Cap? Like, and uh, yeah, who was evaluating the talent? O- overall, if you have a 39-year-old quarterback, you usually have a little bit more wiser depth behind him. Mm. Now, it worked out in their case with Willie Beeman, but clearly they did not value him as much at the start. They valued oh, they the didn't... second stringer who basically just gets benched right away in the second game. Didn't even so. know his name. Uh, they do say his name, but we don't need to get into that at all. So, <laughs> um, so but then Willie Beeman takes over. They start winning. He's flashing this new plays. He's changing the plays in the huddle. He's kind of doing his own thing. And Willie Beeman, he's he's the man. He's on every single magazine cover. He dumps his girlfriend because she can't handle his new stardom. Mm-hmm. Always tough. He's in an awesome uh, rap music video. I had time to go shoot that. Which it happened so fast. Yeah. Um, and the team's on a win streak now. And now this is when uh, we kind of get the Christina side of everything where she wants to get a new deal. Uh, people are telling her to kind of sell the team. Uh, they're saying that the team's worth like $200 million right now. That's the offer she's getting. But if she can leverage that uh, Los Angeles is looking for a team, mm-hmm. they got the new lottery money that they can wager to like put in a bid, and she's going to try to use that as leverage to get a new stadium in Miami and then sell this team they said for like $800 million which uh, I think that's like a pretty good chunk of change back in 99 oh yeah yeah I think even still it's pretty that's most teams I know the Cowboys are worth a couple billion I believe the last yeah they're like all time like in the world like the most valuable yeah yeah exactly so I think the Cowboys are something like 2.4 billion or something like that a lot of money what did the Panthers sign for uh, the Panthers recently had a sale. That was like in the billions as well, right? It was like a $1 billion sale. Was it for the Panthers? Yeah, the, it was purchased. Jerry Richardson sold the team for $2.275 billion. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so uh, money's definitely been inflated nowadays, but that's what we got. Got to get into the football ownership game here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the team's looking good, though. It's getting more marketable. Willie Beeman is the future of this franchise. Al Pacino doesn't like it, though. Mm. He's upset. He's an old-school type of coach. He wants to call running plays on first down. Mm. You know, He wants to be like the old-fashioned style playing. But Willie Beeman, he's just like a new kind of breed of quarterback. He's mobile. He's flashy. Kind of just makes stuff up on the fly. And he's young. And then they have a discussion over Jambalaya over the future with the team. Which Willie did not care for. No, he did not like the Jambalaya <laughs> at all. Um but then that's when it kind of breaks that cap uh, could come back from this injury and be ready in time for the playoffs. Mm. And that's when he breaks the news to Willie that I'm, I'm going to have the cap's going to be the starter, you know? And then they get really upset. Willie's just like, I'm the future, you know? And he's upset about all this. And, but it doesn't matter. We're going with cap. Mm. Now, we also have some other stuff going on as well. We got Christina kind of threatening to fire Al Pacino. The, the team has moved on from you. We have Coach Nick, like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't leave Minnesota to do that. And we got James Wood um, kind of mocking Matthew Modine 
Well, in very James Woods fashion, uh, for actually, a real piece of shit. For wanting to give someone an MRI. <laughs> Lawrence for, Taylor, a.k.a. Shark. For being a doctor. <laughs> Star middle linebacker is saying he has blurry vision, and he's like, I'd like to give him MRI. He's like, you want to waste money on an MRI? <laughs> do you know how much that's going to cost us? And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, that's your job. This is what we do. Um, but yeah, so he says, I'll run the test, whatever, yada, yada. And it's like, well, it's James Woods. Never <laughs> trust James Wood on mm. anything. So uh, breaks, though, that... Turns out he had a neck injury a few years back and it never fully healed correctly. Doctor withhold that information. Boom, James Woods is fired. About time. Also, he's hooking up with a lot of cheerleaders, too. I kind of don't understand if that's just in James Woods' contract. That I know they're getting through that. He cares more about women. About not being than, a doctor. Than, than, is, than being a doctor on this team. <laughs> like He's in this for the fame of being a team medical doctor. Because I don't know about 99, but I just feel like cheerleaders aren't into the team medical doctor that, as much, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's just me. That was just happening on the actual set. They're like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> James just, does his James bonus, thing, yeah. let's get it. Uh, yeah, but uh, Al Pacino, after learning that, like, you know, he withheld information, and, like, this is like, Lawrence Taylor suffers another few hits. He's going to have seizures. He's going to have some permanent damage. Mm. James Woods gets fired. He makes a really interesting point, though. Like, if I would have told him that, you know, this was the case, he still would have played, you know? He's going to play no matter what, you know? I'm just like, don't get all, like, high and mighty on me, which has a slight point. He does, and I think that's definitely a thing with most players. Same time, there's this, I feel like there's still lawsuits and malpractice involved if uh, oh, something sure. happens and it, like, turns out that you knew he had a neck injury. Mm. You still got to tell the guy. Oh, yeah. It's your job. What do you care? And that family is suing the fuck out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he probably still can, even though he's been fired. And, you know, he has the great moment where he tells the cheerleader, uh, come on, let's go. I forgot what her name was. Like, Casey, come on, let's go, Casey. And uh, <laughs> she's like, no, I'm staying. He's like, oh, fuck you too. <laughs> and he rides off in his convertible by James Woods. <laughs> um, so in the midst of everything, they're making an honest playoff run, but something's going on with Willie Beeman now. Willie Beeman is just a little too... Uh, into himself and he's not learning what it's like to be a teammate mm-hmm. um although i'd argue that half the players don't know what it's like he, to be a teammate. he was never a teammate <laughs> yeah they didn't know who he was and then we also have a lot of players that are more worried about their bonus because the reason lawrence taylor wants to play is he gets his one million dollar bonus if he gets a few more sacks yeah. and tackles on like a couple tackles away from this million dollar bonus uh l cool j is just trying to get his bonus rushing yards rushing touchdowns but al pacino's Giving Willie Beeman the lecture over here about, you know, you need to know how it's like to be with a team. Yeah. It's all about you, Willie. And then uh, then we got the rain game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the team quits on him. Now, th- this game is ridiculously raining. Have you ever seen The Last Boy Scout? I have not, no, with uh, Damon Wayans. Yeah, I don't really, I'm just talking more of the opening scene. Have you ever mm. seen the opening scene of The Last Boy Scout? I sure I have, no. It's raining uncontrollably, and then. This running back has like a debt, and this bookie calls him at halftime, and then um, his response because he needs to get a touchdown to like beat the spread because he's like got like you know people are like influencing the game, mm. and he's like his family's in jeopardy, so he pulls a gun out of his uh, pants while in the middle of a play and starts like shooting players on the field. <laughs> uh, that's all I remember from the last Wait, what? Yeah. Then uh, at the end, Jesus he scores Christ. a touchdown. Everyone's staring at him. And he takes his helmet off. He goes. Ain't life a bitch. And then uh, shoots himself on the field. <laughs> uh, anyways, I digress. Uh, 
the rain game reminded me of that a little bit. It's just yeah. over the top raining. They haven't called this game yet. Um, and the team is just quitting. No one's blocking from Willie Beeman's getting hit and his helmet's flying off. Uh, Cap's like yelling on the sideline because he's like eager to play now at this point. He's just like, they won't play for him, Tony. He's like, we'll let him learn. <laughs> Home field advantage of the playoffs is on the line in this game. I don't understand any scenario. But he's got to teach just, him a lesson. Yeah, like I don't teamwork know. from I a team that doesn't give a shit about him. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine any scenario where the home field's advantage is like, nope, I got to teach my quarterback a lesson. So let's make sure he gets concussion. <laughs> oh, by the way, you're also down to your third string quarterback. Uh, oh, yeah, your second it. stringer is non-existent, and you got a 39 year old quarterback that's back's like broken. Mm. Uh, but he's ready to play. Oh, he's, he's just put him in there, coach. Yeah. So. But what they quit on Willie, they lose home field advantage, and then of course we have our big grand finale where Willie's gonna understand what it's like being a teammate. Um playing the Dallas Knights. Now, um are you a big Dallas Knights fan? The Knights, not so much. mainly because of the the logo, the color scheme. Yeah, so obviously that you're ridiculous a, midfield stripe. I don't understand where they came up with this uh this team name, the Dallas Knights. Like the Miami Sharks, that sounds interesting. You've got the Miami Dolphins, you're kind of paralleling it there. Where where did the Dallas Knights come from? Now there is a medieval times. Which I've been in to, Dallas. it's amazing. So maybe Actually, Oliver just had just paid it a visit. I also just super into it. I also just realized I've been to the medieval times in Dallas once and uh, I cheered for the red and yellow night. There you go. That is a pretty amazing. Maybe Oliver Stone's channeling <laughs> my experience at medieval times. Yeah, you had a great time there. Um, yeah, so they, they, of course, lost home field advantage, but they're playing and Cap's going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, Cap has contemplated retiring at one point, but Tony kind of talks him into it. We need you, Cap. And uh, turns out Cap shouldn't have played. Uh, Does not do well. Yeah, got we of course see the opening speech, uh, the game of inches. It's mm. life or death, winning and losing. Did you get riled up by uh, Coach Tony's speech there? Oh, it's it. That's great stuff. So Coach Tony was definitely like a youth pastor at some point in his life, and I wonder, did he write that? Or is that just like off the cuff? Is he just riffing out there? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there's something written, but it's almost like this is just like Al Pacino. It was just kind of designed for Al Pacino. They just turn the cameras on. Just rip it going on. Al, Al, go for it. Al, just do whatever you got to do, bud. You know? Um, So, Cap, at the end of the first half, you know, with uh, Dallas leading, heroically runs into the end zone. Cliche, just dives for the end zone, gets hit. He spins like a helicopter and lands on his Mm, back. Everyone celebrates. He got the touchdown. But something's not right. And then we go into the locker room, and it's just boom. He's just like, you're done. I'm going to start Willie. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, I guess he's just gained Willie's trust. And Willie takes over and heroically leads him down. And then let's kind of talk about just an NFL game in general. Um, Dallas Knights are still up 35-31. Mm-hmm. Fourth and one in field goal range. Minute 40 left, and I think uh, they established Miami only has one timeout. Why are, why are you not kicking a field goal? I think they they trusted their defense or just did not trust this uh, scrappy third stringer who by all accounts at this time was like a viable threat to yeah, go right. down the field very quickly. Um, or because they're the Dallas analog and Dallas always finds a way to fuck things up. You're watching this at home. What are you wanting them to do? Go for it on fourth and one or are you just like kick a field goal? Oh, I'm a go for it guy. They kick a field goal, though. They're up by seven with minute 40 left. I mean, the worst case scenario is Miami ties it. 
True. This is playoffs, baby. This but is then a regular you got, season. You got steaming Willie Beeman, man. Yeah, well, and it turns out, yeah, he's he's going to score a touchdown anyway. So, but uh, let's talk about Shark. L.A., uh, L.A., uh, Lawrence Taylor mm-hmm. makes that big stop on fourth and one. We think he dies for a second. But then he dies We're for a second. He dies for a second. Uh, but it was worth it because he got a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Your bonus. That's the first thing they say when he's on the field dead. <laughs> um, got a bloody nose from that hit, too. Which so. I don't <laughs> see how that happens, I, but, you know. I'm, I'm no Oliver Stone. Um, yeah, see, he's unconscious there for a good while. They made the stop. It was a game of inches. They stopped him. It was uh, fourth and one, and they game of stopped him. Game of an Quite inch. literally. Yeah, literally channeling that uh, awesome Al Pacino speech. But Lawrence Taylor wakes up, and he's like, do we stop him? And he's like, and Jim Brown's like, yeah, you got your bonus, baby. You stopped him cold. And uh, he's hauled off on a stretcher, and I'm not sure a million dollars is really going to help him uh, in the so. long run. With the, He does the, he does do the, the hand wave, so he's not paralyzed. He's not paralyzed, but... but he's not going to be well in 10, 20 years. Uh, Matthew Modine made it pretty clear, though, you're going to be having seizures for a while. Don't so it. that's some intense medical treatment. Uh, and now you're forced into early retirement. Wish that million bucks will go a long way towards... Yes, um, but they make the stop. Uh, Willie Beeman gets him down on the field. Huge completion. Clock's rolling. 14 seconds. Timeout. So they use that's their last timeout. Mm-hmm. Just didn't feel what was going on. And uh, Coach Tony and him talk about Jambalaya on the sideline. A nice callback. A nice callback to their uh, Jambalaya meeting where mm-hmm. they had a disagreement over uh, what it takes to be a, a star and a leader of a football team. As you do over a steaming hut. Plate of jambalaya. Although we enjoy the comical aspects of it, uh, that's a pretty crucial moment. There's 14 seconds. You're still like on, on I think uh, you're on Dallas is 40 at this point. But uh, yeah, they talk about jambalaya, and that was how they spent their time out. I mean, you might want to talk about strategy, you know. But fear not, because Coach Tony has a Comanche drawn up. Yeah, he calls Comanche. Coach Nick, who's all about uh, being kind of creative, uh, just goes... Uh, no, it doesn't make sense if he doesn't get out of bounds. The game's over. And he's yeah, like, maybe don't run a uh, option lateral play with uh, what fourteen seconds left. <laughs> they they knew where they were. They knew they were in a football movie. And you got to <laughs> run one of those kind of crazy plays. So, I hope every NFL team, uh, uh, offensive coordinator has a a page of NFL or football movie plays. Yeah, <laughs> they're like oh Comanche. It's yeah, always definitely. the same play. But it's funny because they talk about jambalaya on the sideline for a while, and then they get in the huddles like Comanche. It's like, you think you'd talk about Comanche right there, just like, here's the idea, you know, get a lateral, like talking to your running back a little bit, like pay attention to that clock, get yeah. it out of bounds. But they successfully run like a good, uh, must have been like a 42-yard, com- like, run. They're at midfield. Run option play. To, so you made it down there in 10 seconds because they stopped with like three, four seconds. I think it was, yeah, it was Okay, oh, just spin around a couple times. So, but good on LA for getting out of bounds of what, the three? With four seconds, four takes left to go? Yeah, LL, you mean. Yeah. LL Cool J? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he got out of bounds with four seconds left because that, that was a bit, his big thing that he cares more about himself than that. Mm-hmm. But it shows he's unselfish. He got out of bounds. I think they get the ball at, like, the three-yard line, four seconds left. Dallas calls a timeout because they're like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. As a Cowboys fan, have you seen this before? Oh, countless is, times. Is this, uh, was this like just frustrating for you of just like, oh, God, even the Dallas Knights can't do this right? This is 50% of every week of the Dallas Cowboys playing. They find a new way to break your heart, but it's always the same thing every time. It is, it is crazy how the Dallas Knights, a fictional Dallas team, has the same heartbreak 
that like the Dallas Cowboys can suffer in the playoffs oh, as well. Oh, un- it's uncanny. So, yeah, we got, and it was actually pretty amazing editing, too. I like how they cut with the scoreboard flashing, you know. The, oh, yeah, I love that, uh, the, 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 the tight shot of the, uh, the bulbs lighting up. It was amazing. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was amazing. So we got one last play, though. Uh, four seconds left. Uh, Willie Beeman, um, they fake uh, play action. Play action to LL Cool J. Misses it. He dives up the middle. He's searching. He doesn't see anyone open. Makes that split decision. It's time to just jump over and dive over the middle. Oh, the uh, the great football movie reach over the goal line. I the, think the pause before the referees pull the guys off the pile. Oh my god! Like, did he come down with it? It's like in this NFL, like he crossed the plane. He crossed the plane. We saw that with uh, Saquon Bartley uh-huh. this year, where he jumped over the signs, balls over the plane, and then he loses it. But it doesn't matter. Across the plane. <laughs> so it's funny how they review it for a while because he jumps over everybody. It's like. He fell in the end zone. It doesn't matter if he like. It's not catching the ball. I uh, I know this was pre. Uh, <laughs> like we got to ch- keep this suspense going. Pre challenge era of the NFL. Um, oh, Booth is definitely reviewing. I was this. really hoping for the last like five minutes of that whole sequence to be us waiting for the referees to get in the booth. Actually, that's an amazing idea because they would have reviewed that lateral as well. Oh yeah. So we're watching Oliver Stone just cut this movie really fast. Mm. You know, we got lightning. We got lions like roaring from the linebackers and get the scoreboard clicking you know got the coach uh amazing uh fade of al pacino's face when oh the super (laughs) willie beeman's uh surveying the the coverage that whole last sequence is like very like if david lynch (laughs) directed a football movie Ooh, i like that it's very the the superimposed face the lightning flash can we get david lynch to do a football movie that would be amazing uh, yeah, we had been reviewing it. It would be amazing to watch uh, Oliver Stone, fast editing, all this like kind of crazy experimental expressionalist like movement going on in this movie, and then we just stop and we're going to like review it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then there'd be another review after he crosses the plane. We kept a commercial. We talked to uh, Dean Blandino, see what he thinks about the whole situation. Uh, who's that guy on Fox as well? Oh, um, that's... Um... Who's the guy that? Pereira, Mike Pereira. Mike Pereira. Yeah. Troy Aikman's always like talking to Mike Pereira. <laughs> I wonder uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling this game. And so we have Barry Switzer calling this game instead. I'm surprised there wasn't a uh, a Madden Pat Summerall little cameo there. Yeah, actually, '99. This is still uh, John Madden's still doing his thing. Oh yeah. '99. So where yeah. was I guess NFL? Oh, they were deep in the NFL's pockets. They're like, well, we got, we got Barry Switzer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, uh, to add more salt to, to the Cowboys and drunk, the Dallas fans' wounds. drunk Oliver Stone also <laughs> calling this game. Awesome. Uh, but Willie Beeman scores. Touchdown. Now, I also want to talk about this play, too, of, like, would this play actually work? Where we saw that he did play action, uh, LL Cool J fakes and dives over the pile. Mm-hmm. And then Willie Beeman just essentially doesn't roll out or anything. Because usually play action, there's a rollout or a bootleg involved, especially that close to the end zone. Uh-huh. But instead he fakes it, he dives in, and then stands there in the pocket and surveys everything and then just decides to run right after LL Cool J. Because essentially he just jumped the same section that he fake jumped. Oh, yeah, it's the rope dope Yeah. <laughs> he fooled him once. He got him the second time. I'm just watching like how that could actually work out. What is the defense doing? They're just like still like think LL has the ball and he's just like. And oh, again, in, I'm in, moving around. Oh wait, in, I'm just gonna jump there too. In typical Dallas heartbreak fashion, to get beat by a broken play. Yes. Yeah. I've seen it too many times. Right, right. So there you have it. The Miami Sharks. They've won. 
Uh, of course, we have some like resolutions in this, like Christina, you know, realizes she's getting over her head as a GM, mm-hmm. getting a little overzealous with selling this team, really pushing and kind of forgetting what this is all about. Uh, Charlton Heston's the commissioner of this league, which oh. is pretty badass as well. And uh, she kind of has a heart to heart to her mom, like, listen, I got really carried away with this, and I'm sorry. Even though she's probably in trouble with the league because of uh, she's trying to, like, you know, do some kind of improper trading. Like, oh, ordering sure. a team to get a new stadium. They're like, they don't like that. So, mm. so but everyone kind of realizes it. Willie Beeman's the hero. He scores. Al Pacino's elated. And then they have their heart to heart after the game's over. Um, He's talking about Cap. You know, I learned I learned more from him uh, that first half than I did five seasons playing in the league. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if you weren't just reading a newspaper and most five, of the time. Yeah. Five seasons. Like, five yeah. seasons. So he got drafted when he was like probably 23. Mm-hmm. He's 28 years old now. I mean, he still has some career left, but five seasons on the bench. That's a, that's a good career. I think that if, if I were ever to be an actual football player, backup quarterback would be the ideal Ideal gig. Yeah, you get to read the funny pages. Oh, fuck yeah, check out the reviews. <laughs> He's checking out the classified of like, oh, am I going to still be on this team? Uh, and of course, Al Pacino drops in like every other line of like, any given Sunday. For the oh, 10th fucking time in the movie. Then he disappears on the field. Willie Very Beeman's, quickly. Willie Beeman's <laughs> talking about his shoulder. It's like, would you vanish? <laughs> you go to the school of like Mike Myers or uh, or Batman, like the Christian Bale Batman. He's quick. Like, he disappears. He does that. Coach Tony's lying on his feet. Yeah, and uh, off camera, turns out that they lost to San Francisco, which so they just won this wild card playoff game, but then it didn't matter because then they lost next week, <laughs> and then San Francisco won the whole thing. I'm just like, why not? I mean, I, I get it. I don't need to always see a championship game. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting that I guess that's not the story they're telling, but they were pretty set on like we're gonna win this with this team. And they want a playoff game, and then they just kind of lose off camera. I mean, Chile is like what five in a row to start the season. Yeah, I think they were like down. I think they were on a four game losing streak. Four so games, I yeah. I don't know if it was like to start the season, but they definitely were losing four games in a row. Look like the team's past their prime. Yeah, people are calling in question that the coach should be fired. Caps, um, way too old. This linebacker can't do it anymore. Like LT's spent. Um, so they won that playoff game, and it kind of reminded me of uh, Moneyball. Where uh, Moneyball is basically, it's not about winning, it's about just like that they made the playoffs with this like crazy roster. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then we got a little awesome uh, post credits, uh, Al Pacino. Which I had the time for the, the mid credits uh, scene. Yeah. I thought uh, I was watching like an Avengers movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is setting up the sequel. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's stepping down, handing the team over to Aaron Eckhart. He's going to be the new head coach. But then, oh, by the way, I signed with a new team. Uh, they gave me a managerial position. And also, I signed Willie Beeman. Taking my guy. To a multi-year deal. And everyone's, like, surprised. <laughs> a bunch of reporters in the room, and no one knew that. It's like, oh, is that how that works? I don't know. <laughs> Definite tampering. Um, man, overall, though, I got to say, though, this movie, for me, just, I think we're both in agreement, like, it's... It's a movie that was ahead of its time. Really shed light that no other movie really did at that time of what it really is like to be an NFL player. Yeah. Uh, the dark truth behind the injuries, the sacrifice, uh, the downfall, the short-lived, uh, the risk, everything about that and showing kind of the dirty side of what being a professional football player really is. Dirty doctors, yeah. Um, I mean, what, what did you kind of take away from the movie? I... Um... 
aside from the, which I believe is some constant needling at Dallas Cowboys fans throughout, um, that it, uh, I, I do appreciate that we didn't end the movie on a, on their loss. Because I feel like most sports movies, it comes down to the big game. And right, there's, right. there's always just, you know, there will be two outcomes, the last second win or the heartbreaking, but we learned a lot about ourselves defeat. So I kind of like that they, they didn't show us that and showed us more, I guess, it's the maturation of, of Willie Beeman. And what, what do you think is the, the ride off into the sunset for Coach Tony until the what-the-fuck press conference. Right, right, where it comes out of nowhere. It's just like, you know, up he's until then, step down, it's fine, but then it's like... Up until just, then, I'm like, he's done. He's like, he seems done he in says his he's done. He's he done. says he's done at the game. He's like, I can't coach this team anymore. <laughs> it's like, that was tampering right there. He literally is like having this like kind of hidden conversation with him on the field. I can't coach this team. I'm done after this season. Proud of you. It was great getting to know you. I want to see that sequel. Yeah, LeBron James is watching this. He's like, that's tampering. <laughs> The sequel where they go six and ten for three consecutive years, and he's like, "I'm actually done. I'm not going to go to this anymore." But he disappeared into the shadows. He's actually at the time. Like, hey, Willie, over here. <laughs> okay, I'm taking a position with this team managerial. I'm going to sign your multi-year deal. He's like, "Oh, sounds good, coach." All right, now we're going to lose to San Francisco next week, and then we can start this process sooner. He's like, "Oh, sounds good, coach." Going to announce it and blow everyone's fucking mind. Yeah. Um, things don't look. I mean, I don't think the Miami Sharks are going to have really good follow-up season to that oh surely not they lost their star linebacker almost died on the field uh-huh. um cap is done his He's back's done. broken then they lost their future like their um i mean their their future franchise quarterback oh they, got, they lost their coach they got screwed by by you coach know, tony you know he's and uh, you know he's taking jim brown with him as well oh, yeah. so i mean that's uh, miami sharks are in a rebuilding year now for sure it's all about the Dallas Knights. And it just would help to have a young uh, stud mobile quarterback to rebuild around, but I guess uh, it got stolen. I mean, the bond between Willie and Coach Tony is pretty unbreakable, it seems like, near the end. Yeah, it's but it's amazing because they kind of hated each other through most of the movie. They disagreed with each other. They hated even Jambalaya, but then until that one moment, he's like, did you ever like my Jambalaya? He's like, I actually hated Coach. He's like, I love the honesty. Oh, Comanche. What? <laughs> and all of a sudden, now they're like best friends and willing to like... I hated being coached by you this whole year, but that whole jambalaya heart-to-heart we had is worth me just moving with you. Yes, That's when it clicked. Yeah. Overall, though, I mean, I I did really enjoy this movie. It's just kind of uh, really interesting just watching Al Pacino uh, coach a football team as well. Mm -hmm. The Game of Inches speech is, I guess, probably one of the more iconic parts of the movie. But, yeah, hell of a motivator, that guy. Not a lot of people have really seen this movie. I was kind of telling people, of like, yeah, I watch any given Sunday. They're like, is that that movie with that game of inches winning yeah. a losing speech? I'm just, it's kind of shocking. Not like for a football movie, it's pretty solid, actually. It's yeah. sort of aged well as well. Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so interesting how any given Sunday kind of gets like put on the back burner compared to other NFL movies. But yeah, you want to do some gems? Yeah, let's do some gems. All right, uh, my first gem I'm going to bring up is uh, Oliver Stone as a, a drunk announcer. We already talked about this before, but um, right away it was just like, is that Oliver Stone? I love the auteur directors that insist on putting themselves in the movies. Yes. In, uh, in ridiculous roles. Yes, yeah. So Oliver Stone's calling this game. He's just kind of drinking 
And, uh, oh my God, it's like right away at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> What's the rest of the booth feel about this? He's openly taking swigs of his little pocket warmer there. There's part of this movie that just doesn't give a fuck. It's just kind of like, hey, this is our movie. You, you better enjoy it, or if not, whatever. I'm going to show you like a lightning bolt right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy's like growling like a tiger. Um, there's a part where Cap was like kind of feeling like he might have had a concussion. He's just seeing like some uh, blank person in the stands. You know, we have a, you know, shark kind of going through his like crazy, like blurry vision. Uh-huh. And then we got Oliver Stone just drinking, calling the game. What was the, the gorilla? What team is he cheering for? We got the Knights versus the Sharks over here and someone's dressed up like a gorilla. I didn't know the Phoenix Suns were in town. <laughs> but yeah, he like actually beat him up. <laughs> and it's also like, is this a time to beat somebody up? This game's getting pretty intense and exciting. Okay, you, yeah, like there's a crazy lateral Comanche play going on right now and you're beating up this gorilla. Also, I just, I don't understand fans in general that like, why would you be in a full gorilla suit at this game? Is, it, is that a rental or do they own that? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like he's a season ticket holder because he had some good seats, <laughs> so I feel like he's wearing that gorilla suit to like multiple games. <laughs> Maybe he's just like, there's the gorilla guy cheering for this game. Oh, he gets so much TV. Willie's Walkman on the flight. They're going to play a game in L.A. So Willie Beeman, like coach, goes to talk to him. This is the first game he's going to start. And he's got this uh, giant uh, CD Discman, like, and he's listening to rap, and he's got this huge antenna. Do you remember this at all? <laughs> he's got this giant antenna that's, like, sticking out, like, as if he's trying to get a TV signal. And I know, granted, this is 99, so they didn't have iPods. It's one of those radio Discmans. Uh, but yeah, Al Pacino sits down to him. He's like, can I talk to you for a minute? He has to like, uh, push it down with his hand, like his whole antenna. Like, yeah, sure. Coach. <laughs> I mean, I had a Walkman back in middle school and I was in middle school around like the, you know, 98 to 2000, kind of like that era. So I feel like he didn't need a crazy antenna, but I know he's on a plane, but. That was yeah, a Discman. What, what kind of reception is he getting up there? Yeah, I don't anyway. get it. Well, they, they haven't take to, like they haven't left yet, but I was just that was pretty intense. He's got like this like mini radio that he's listening to headphones. And I also love Al Pacino. He's like, what are you listening to? He's like, rap. He's like, you ever heard of rap? He's like, no, nah, I don't listen to rap. There, there's a time where they're getting rowdy in the locker room, and it's basically kind of like the defensive players are rivaling with these crazy offensive players. We could talk about the offensive line guys because they all look like WWE wrestlers. Yeah, pretty insane on steroids. Their faces are all painted like with different kind of uh, face paints. They all kind of look like John Randall. Uh-huh. Everyone's like, "Whoa, overdone the face paint there." There's there ever a disagreement over uh, what music to play? Essentially, kind of the, the black players want to play rap in the locker room and the, the white players want to play like heavy metal, like Metallica music, kind of in that era. Uh-huh. So they're getting a fight over what music to play on this boombox in the locker room. So the retaliation that the white offense lineman had was when uh, the black players that wanted to play rapper in the shower, he grabs a crocodile out of his locker and throws the baby crocodile in the shower. <laughs> That's the casual baby croc, um, like you do. Did he just have a baby crocodile in his locker room during the whole game? He's definitely a loose cannon. I wouldn't like, put it past those, yeah. those animals. If that's your comeback, like, I feel like in today's NFL or even in, like, yesterday's NFL, um, no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I think that's in a suspension or the something. Pre, the pre-Twitter days, that surely went unnoticed. <laughs> uh... <laughs> 
That'd be a popular GIF. You and know? definitely not the first time that he's done that, right? He was <laughs> no. ready for this scenario. Yeah, he was really ready. And it's funny, it's over music. It's just like kind of, I assume you you all had this argument over rock compared to rap for a while. Oh, you don't little step on Metallica, man. Little did they not know that Linkin Park was just around the corner. So. <laughs> uh, but he throws a crocodile. I feel like that would be a suspension for one. Uh, PETA would be upset about this. And oh, yeah. also, he's... It's a crocodile. I know they're in Miami, but like that's gonna bite someone. No, the authorities they have some questions for that dude. Yeah, um, I can't believe he's still playing. You know, <laughs> he's super talented. Of course, we gotta talk about uh, Willie's music video. Uh huh. So I got two things to say about this, but one, I- I'll let you take it away. Like the music video, what do you, what, how do you rate that? Are you into this music video? I think it's a definite, uh, a good send up of the mid to late 90s rap video but I'm more taken by how quickly that all happened goes from a nobody for five years in the league and he has what at this point three good games about yeah he's about three or four or five yeah we we go through a montage showing that he's on ESPN magazine sports Mm. illustrated he's on all the magazine covers he's on he's being interviewed now but yeah he shot a full music video in season definitely Um, definitely not taking the coach Tony's teamwork talk to heart. No, but I just don't even know if you have time for that. Like you're practicing every single day. Like it's music video shoots like those commercials. Like Aaron Rodgers has his State Farm commercials and Peyton Manning had his Papa John's and Nationwide. Those are shot in the off season. I don't think Peyton Manning's leaving practice early to shoot his uh, Nationwide commercial. <laughs> Willie had a free a yeah. free Monday full on week. Full on uh, LL Cool J music video really. Like what was going on there. Um, he's just got his shirt off by the pool. And it's also, it's not just that he was in a music video, it's him rapping and singing. Now, we know Jamie Foxx has this talent, but it's also about him, too. Really came out of nowhere. I mean, it uh, works for a movie, but it's... Double threat, talent guy. He had time to write, produce the song. So that's the thing, it's not just shooting a music video. You can shoot that in a few days. His whole career, he was just trying to get the exposure to... Reveal his rap persona. Do you think he had the song already written in case he would rise up? For sure. He has a whole album in the pocket. But they produced the whole song, so not only is there the music video going on, but you, you have a song produced as well. Wow. Coach Tony in the recording booth. I think they should have, in that meeting over the jambalaya, they should have just been talking about Capstar. He's like, what's the deal? You shooting, producing music and rap videos right now? Is that what you were working on, on your Walkman on the plane? Let's talk about Willie Beeman in general, though. There's an interesting line where, uh, during the jambalaya scene, when he's having dinner with Tony, mm-hmm. um, he talks about, um, they get into like some booster issue that he got into in college. Essentially, he said he dropped six rounds in the draft because he, he it got reported that he, um, a booster bought him a tuxedo to wear at a guy's wedding that he didn't even know. So one, that was the best booster story you could come up with. We got so many other people getting paid to autograph in college. Uh-huh. So one, I really like that moment because it's shedding light on like the, the risk that college athletes have where like boosters offer them money and they're poor college students yeah. making money for their universities. He brings all that up well. So I really do like that it's in there. But one, uh, tuxedo, like that's like the, the story that they came up with. Yeah, to a wedding of someone he doesn't even know. Just keep it simple. Like he signed some autographs. Yeah. But the big important part for me, he dropped six, six rounds. rounds. And then 
floundered on the bench for five years. And no one knows who he no. is. <laughs> so I'm assuming that they have, like, NFL has seven drafts, mm. seven drafts, seven rounds. So that means if he drops six, let's just assume they have seven. Even if they have eight, that means he was a first or second round yeah. pick, and he dropped all the way to the end. Below first, high second round. So he has the talent to apparently be a first or second rounder, but now he's third string on the bench, and I guess five seasons. He's from Houston University as well. Mm-hmm. I know they said that. But, like, Oliver Stone, maybe he was just too drunk. He didn't even know who Willie Beeman was when he comes out there. Even uh, Coach Tony looks at him when it's time for him to go in, like, who are you? Oh. Uh, well, it, it had been five seasons, I guess. I guess, but, I mean, I still, like, I feel like I, like, as a sports, like, football fan, I know about uh, players, even if they, like, fall from grace. Mm-hmm. Like, we all know who uh, Maurice Claret is. Yeah. Who had a similar problem where he was going to be a first-rounder. Then Ohio State, of course, uh, accepted a car for someone so, to yeah. use, and he got in trouble, and he dropped to, like, the fourth round. Well, he, then, went, he went off to kind of the deep end, though. He went off on the deep end, but at the same time, he was, like, one of those star talents, and then everything was kind of taken away, kicked off the team. Yeah. And, you know, so a lot of stuff. This is in the Maurice Claret hour, I guess, but uh, he dropped uh, Trell Pryor, another Ohio State, which is kind of a trend there, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's still, uh, I think he's... He's, he's still a, around. He's still around. I mean, I think he got hurt and got cut from a team, but it'll most likely be a wide receiver on a team. But yeah. he got trouble for autographs as well. Uh-huh. But I think he only dropped like three rounds. And then uh, Johnny Manziel, you know, he still got drafted in the first round, but we all know the Johnny football story. Uh-huh. He's out of the league now. He's in one of these other fictional leagues, I think. CFL? Uh, with Maurice Claret, with Johnny Manziel... All those guys were supposed to be higher drafted and then kind of dropped in some rounds except for Johnny Manziel. Willie Beeman dropped six. Six rounds and no for one knew who he tuxedo. was for a tuxedo from a booster guy. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that like uh, the Miami Sharks didn't know who they still had mm-hmm. like on their team. Well, you spent five seasons reading the fucking paper on the bench. I guess, but I mean, I still just know the talent we have on this team. I mean, there is preseason still. You know, yeah. We get to see him play. <laughs> Uh, interesting. I just thought that was like kind of just kind of poor writing. You know, it could have been like you know I dropped in that draft. I think it would have just made more sense if he just wasn't like that well scouted. Like uh-huh. some players that we some undrafted. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like the Tom Brady out there, the Tony Romo. You know, like yeah, drafted yeah. nobody's that rose to the occasion. You uh-huh. know, so I thought it was kind of interesting. He was a high profile guy that got in trouble with a booster and then drops down to the seventh round. I guess you know. Uh, that was kind of interesting. It really dinged his confidence, apparently. Let's talk a little bit about Cap. So, uh, another gem for me was Cap um, telling his wife, Lauren Holly, uh, otherwise known as Mary Swanson, mm-hmm. uh, that he thinks he's got to hang it up. He's got blurry vision, his mind's going where his back hurts. She doesn't like this. Pretty selfish. Because um, your boy's not doing okay, Cap. So he even mentions to her that I'll probably get a broadcasting job. They're talking about maybe I can move into the broadcasting booth. And Mary Swanson, I'll just keep calling her Mary Swanson, <laughs> uh, is upset because he, she's like, you said you have at least two more years left to play in. It's like, what does it matter? Well, what's her, yeah, what's her angle here? Yeah, he's 39 years old. He's won multiple Pantheon Cups. And uh, <laughs> he's made a good chunk of change. You guys have a really nice house. And he's going to... Be working in the broadcast booth with full, full faculties. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, your husband's telling you that his back hurts, and you've been in the hospital with him. 
you know, with him grunting and moaning and dealing with this horrible rehab and he's saying this horrible stuff. Like, she needs a winner. She needs a player, husband. <laughs> yeah. And then it isn't until he falls over in her back that they cut to her realizing, like, oh, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> he was telling the truth. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> boy, boy, is my face red. I, I didn't know if it was when you were in the hospital or just living with you, so, you know, <laughs> horrible this injury's been on you that now I finally understand. Okay, I guess you can take a broadcasting game. <laughs> what we can manage. <laughs> So there's an amazing moment in the Dallas Knights playoff game where it shows, uh, you know, the Miami Sharks are, in, are are enforcing their will on the game now. They're playing because the Knights start off like they always do. Like, you know, that the, the rival team starts off hot. They're in a hole. And they have to, like, dig deep and fight. Uh-huh. There's a huge hit on uh, one of the Dallas Knights players, and his eyeball gets ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> and the eyeball's on the field. And they comment, like... Oh, he lost his eye. <laughs> but then we just move on. <laughs> <laughs> As if that wouldn't stop the game for good. So one, what kind of hit could really incur for your eye to get ripped out of the socket? I know people like wear visors because they get poked in the eye, but like, what kind of hit could ever happen? Oh, that, just like, the right amount of force and ripped out the by the socket. Just his eye popped out. And it's and in it's the, the middle of the field, and the medical guy picks it up and puts it in a plastic baggie. In a way that. It seems like this has happened before. This is not nothing new. As has happened before in, the, in football, in this league, so the Pantheon Cup league. Oh, in the Pantheon Cup, they've seen a few eyeballs <laughs> fall out. This is like, oh god, another in this eyeball. bizarre universe. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, pretty fascinating to me. They just put it in a Ziploc bag. Like we've done this before. <laughs> put it on ice. It'll be fine. The game moves on. I'm just like they're talking about. Oh, is Cap gonna play in the second half? Willie Beans. I'm like, I would be still like, guy lost his eye. That's crazy. <laughs> now the rest of the game. You gotta be talking about the eye, the eye game. It's just laying in the middle of the field. <laughs> just put a zip, put a ziplock bag in. The guy's like, ah, ah. Just pop it in, coach. I'm good um, to go. Yeah, I think that that's the point where the like what we said with Oliver Stone drinking. That's just when the movie's just like, we don't give a fuck. We're just gonna do whatever we want. Oh yeah, they're going. Because they can the show wall. like they they did a really good job with how injuries really do affect the players and the games and how this yeah. is everything they got. The guy lost an eyeball. Like, maybe he's just like <laughs> going to like he just had a horrible like arm. Like we've seen broken bones. We've seen like that really bad like 49ers running back this past season like his leg just bent backwards and it was yeah, broken. Yeah, those are tough. You know, there's uh in the final four tournament that uh, I think it was something where Louisville like uh-huh. player uh, like the bone was sticking out of his leg. We've those seen some gruesome stuff. Uh, never seen an eyeball get ripped out. That's ever. actually like a certain like fuck you to the NFL from Oliver Stone. <laughs> yeah, it's just like we're ripping eyeballs out now. So. Dicks and asses. Seen a lot of uh, players' dicks in the locker rooms and a lot of butt shots and stuff. Uh, oh, it, this uh, movie shows the uh, the not much talked about underbelly, literally, <laughs> of the league. Yeah, Oliverson's really put it out there because there's uh, Christina goes in the locker room, nice game, and she just talks to the one player, and he's just got a ginormous penis, and he's just talking to her. And I imagine every reporter that saw that movie was like, yep, that's yeah. exactly what it's like. There's a lot of penises. They go in the locker room. There's a lot of uh, dicks and asses. They show like them like pissing in the locker room. One hand, um, I love it because they just kind of, I guess, show the aspect of like, this is the locker room. It feels like kind of just raw and organic. But another part is like after a while, it's just like, man, just more ass shots of dudes. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, just really giant penis in your face. <laughs> they they had scene. to uh, pay tribute to uh, Charles Haley. Yes, this exactly. His locker so romantics. 
another gem just the editing choices throughout this movie. So, that was good. The, the the gameplay scenes were fantastic. Yes, uh, reported there is over three thousand different cuts throughout this movie. So yeah, uh, yeah. and it's interesting because I brought natural born killers earlier. There's sometimes where like it felt like he still kind of had a hangover of how to edit that because we about brought up before the lightning. The, uh-huh. The kind of just kind of crazy surrealness of yeah, it, but frantic pace. Overall, this it worked for me so much because I just I don't think there's been a football movie to date still that made me feel like so involved in the movie. I mean, people's yeah. eyes are getting ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a sense of what it's probably actually like to be on the field with. Yeah, exactly. Cap is thirty nine years old. Mm. We know that he's won multiple Pantheum Cups, and then he suffers a back injury, but he's back. Uh, in time for playoffs. Now we've seen like other like major knee injuries. We've seen other kind of injuries in the sport for how real this movie is trying to depict it. It works, but like would cap, I mean, it works that cap comes back because it shows like that's the sacrifice. That's the dedication. He is back is messed up and he still wants to get out there to play. Cause that's all he's got. Uh-huh. Would you actually be cleared to play from a back injury? Like he suffered at 39 years old. To be back like a couple months later. If I recall the Tony Romo, uh, when Dak Prescott took over the starting job, his back was healed near the end of the season, but they made the choice to go with go with the kid. Um, and funny that it was Tony because that's how Tony got a start when it was Drew Bledsoe that was hurt. Right, right. And he was the I guess I think undrafted guy out of Wisconsin. Yep, yep. Who uh, within a couple months was like on the ESPN commercials like. All over the fucking news. Yeah, definitely. But even, like, the injuries that Tony would suffer, I mean, you're just not getting cleared. Even if you have James Woods as your doctor. That's big, I think. (laughs) I mean, you still just can't get away with it overall. Uh Um, And even now, and just recently in the NFL, Carson Wentz comes to mind because he has, like, it turned out that there's something kind of cracked in his back. I don't know the exact medical diagnosis, but um, they didn't deactivate him, but he definitely wasn't going to play this year. Uh So, I mean... I guess that shows that there was a chance Carson Wentz could play, and maybe he's kind of like similar to Cap's situation, just 39 years old. It reminded me of the most Brett Favre. Just like, I think Brett Favre's like half his body was broken. And oh, he's yeah. Still out he there was, playing, so. was barely hobbling around. Those were our gems. Before we kind of move on to just wrapping up this movie, there's a few more things to just kind of talk about. So, you know, the relocation deal is another thing, like, um, she said she's going to, LA has funding for a new stadium with lottery money. You know, the California lottery, I guess, started in like 85. So, I mean, it's possible that you could wager that to get a new deal. But they even referenced the Miami Dolphins where the mayor's like, I can't afford to give you a new stadium because we got the other Miami team. Uh-huh. And, I mean, would this relocation deal actually happen like this? Or is this something that always just kind of happens? You're trying to wager new deals. Because, I mean, San Diego kind of essentially did this with the L.A. Yeah. Same with the Rams, too. And sa- happening in Oakland. Always, yeah. So Dick bag owners just want to give it more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's always the problem, always, is we've got these billionaires telling the people that if you want to keep this team, you got to pay for this. Yeah. And um, it's pretty interesting because this is 99 and it's still happening today. So, overall, I mean, just like... Examples like that are just interesting to me because this movie was just predicting, like, wow, this is still just a thing. And no yeah. other movie has ever really brought up uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, especially because let's look at what the NFL was during this 99 season because they're kind of channeling some other stuff, and it's interesting there's some parallels. So 
The 99 season, that was the year uh, Tennessee retired the Oilers' name. They officially uh. became the Tennessee Titans. So we already had a famous team like the Houston Oilers with so much history. year before that move to Tennessee, the Tennessee Oilers, and now officially 99 is the first year when they're the Tennessee Titans. So you have all the relocation stuff in there. Also on top of that, that's when the Cleveland Browns previously moved to Baltimore. That's right. The naming rights got back to them, and Cleveland got the new team, Cleveland Browns. So there's already like two new teams getting involved during this era when this movie's coming out. Um, the Rams beat the Titans that year. So that was the Super Bowl where the Titans were one yard short from beating the Rams. Uh-huh. And the quarterback was Kurt Warner that came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And he's already this like older kind of rookie. So it was interesting how they were paralleling what was happening in the NFL. The XFL isn't born for another couple of years, of course, but this kind of reminded me of a blend of XFL, NFL. But oh, yeah. XFL wasn't even a thing there. Overall, I just really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was um, it was actually a pretty real and honest version, but it kind of had it kind of hammed it up at times. Oh, it's um, like a it's a cartoony version of this. If the NFL just kind of went unchecked for a while, yes, it became like this yes. weird bizarro um, character of itself, and also just totally bizarre too of just some of the choices that happened in this movie. But it's also just crazy to me that some people don't even know that this that they know of this movie but haven't watched it. Yeah. So I just think it's a very rewatchable movie, and it's actually kind of fun. Oh yeah, it's a. I think you learned a lot about about true teamwork. Uh, I think Willie really comes full circle, and then joins another team with Coach Tony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, interesting management uh, choices as well. I mean, Christina is like, this is what really it's like. The owner, you got to try to like sell those tickets, make that money, you mm-hmm. know, and. It's interesting because it's still happening today in the NFL where it's like the old school style of playing and then there's like a oh, yeah. newer style to play. So overall, uh, I'm going to just bring it back into this. Like what team, the situation with the Miami Sharks, what would you compare that to in the actual NFL that we have today? Oh. Their, their situation. Because I can think of a few. The constant, I believe, needling from Oliver Stone and Dallas Cowboys fans. I think they're a good Cowboys analog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a mismanaged ownership. And uh, I think the, the parallels to Tony Romo's first breakout season, uh, taking over for injured uh, veteran Drew Bledsoe with the old hard-nosed Bill Parcells coach uh, is pretty spot on. Um, with the, the eventual loss, the heartbreaking loss in the playoffs, uh, I would have loved, I wouldn't have loved to have seen, but uh, at the end of that, after the, the week after that, uh, Seattle, uh, Tony's... Uh, a field goal fumble. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was typical of another Dallas playoff game. So. Uh, had had Bill Parcells announced that he was uh, going away from the team, but I'm actually going to Tampa Bay. I'm taking the kid with me. Can you, See you guys. Can you do that? <laughs> just think of NFL free agency hasn't started. Tony, come on. Uh, interesting name, Tony as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like really interesting because I saw some parallels. I think Dallas Cowboys are spot on. It's like literally like who is this guy? Tony Romo takes over for the aging quarterback. Uh-huh. Um, find a lot of success with him. Uh, of course, they don't win that first year, but all they needed to do is well, Bill, comes Bill up Parcells again. leaves and yeah. then takes Tony with him. It comes up know? again when Tony eventually retires um, with his hurt back because Dak Prescott, the new young kid, that takes is over. true. Yeah, so and it's kind of like we got this young kid, we got this new running back. It was kind of like replacing the the old with the new. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of interesting. And the last game's played in Dallas too. Yeah, so there is a lot of parallels there. I think uh, 
if I could compare it to the Packers situation, I there's two. I think Dallas and Green Bay are really on the, the same path with this. Where there's one particular moment where the reporter, uh, we didn't even talk about him, the reporter from Scrubs, mm. <laughs> um, he's in there. He's got a cigar in his mouth. Yeah. He's completely do a cutaway when they're at the bar, and he's complaining that you were you called the same two plays on like third and fourth down. Like, what's he doing? He's outdated. It just gave me flashbacks of like what the biggest issue with Mike McCarthy has been the last two years. Yeah, and also for on your end with the Jason Garrett, where oh. I feel like I was just like, did they just take that from like today's like sports talk radio? They consulted Scott Linehan. Yeah, and you know it just feels like the Sean McVay movement. It's so funny how this is happening right now. Of course, the Packers signed Matt LaFleur. Uh-huh. Uh, the Bengals just signed, uh, I believe it was Dan Campbell. Uh, um, no, it's uh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Not Dan Campbell, sorry. Uh, yeah, the Bengals just signed Zach Taylor. So there's this whole talk of the Sean McVay movement, the new offense versus like the old traditional mm-hmm. style. And it's funny because that was the biggest argument in this movie. Aaron Eckhart is like Sean McVay. Yeah. He's got all the new fun plays, but there's the stubborn coach like, no, we're doing it this way. <laughs> I want a championship this way. Okay, fine. We'll do Comanche. <laughs> Didn't work out for the Rams on the Super Bowl, though. Um, yeah, and then another comparison, though, is Tom Brady taking over for Drew Bledsoe. Because mm-hmm. it, it didn't go the same. Like, you know, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl that year, but it was essentially just a six-round He's drafted in the sixth round, correct? I believe so, yeah. Tom, you know, Drew Bledsoe has already been to a Super Bowl with uh, the Patriots. They didn't win, but they've already been to one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, gets hurt. This kid that we've never heard about takes over. And then, boom, just becomes like the face of the league after that year. Poor Bledsoe getting... Because uh... Tom Brady happened the year after that. Because remember, the Rams yeah. lost to the Patriots the following year. So mm-hmm. it was almost like Oliver Stone gave the Patriots the blueprint of like, oh, this is what you do. You give this young kid that no one knows a chance because... He predicted so much. And yeah, Bledsoe getting replaced by the young kid twice. Yeah, twice it's gotta, in his career. It's got to hurt. you got to throw that on his Wikipedia. <laughs> um, also, um, one that kind of paralleled it for me, it wasn't exactly the same thing, but Willie Beeman kind of reminds me of Colin Kaepernick when he came on the scene. Because yeah. people knew, he was, of course, drafted, I believe, in the second round, but Alex Smith was like that starter. He was a solid traditional guy, didn't make mistakes, but didn't make flashy plays. Mm-hmm. And then Kaepernick comes out here, and she's never seen anything like this. Like we, besides Michael Vick, but Kaepernick has the arm. Yeah, he's running around, but he's not a traditional quarterback. He's like a mobile quarterback. So I felt like Willie Beeman really reminds me of like when Colin Kaepernick happened. Yeah. Or I can take it back to the Tampa Bay time where Sean King takes over for Trent Dilfer, where it's like he doesn't have the right. Oh, I remember that. He doesn't have the right mechanics, but they're still winning games, uh-huh. and he's improvising enough. Uh, so it's kind of like if. Like, uh, Sean King and Colin Kaepernick. That, that's, like, what Willie Beeman would be as, as a player. <laughs> mix, yeah. Of, like, doesn't really know the plays that he's calling, but is good at improvising. Mm-hmm. But, like, Sean King was not as athletic as Colin Kaepernick was able yeah. to pull off those moves and just run. So, um, interesting stuff, though. Yeah, that's so. a good little run. I forgot about that, Sean King, a bit. Um, this, this, this quickly rate any given Sunday, and then I got some trivia for us. Okay. Um... How many Pantheon Cup rings would you give this movie out of five? Out of five? Remember, we're doing Pantheon Cup rings. Pantheon these are, these are big rings, all right? Yeah, those are big rings. Um, I'm going to go a solid four. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's rewatchable. Uh, good mix of, like, you know, some real heartfelt, serious stuff with you know, a little bit of a jambalaya humor peppered throughout. <laughs> yeah. 
crocodiles in yeah. the locker room. So, uh, eyeballs on the field. Oh, dicks you know. and asses. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm giving this four Pantheon Cup rings. Um, not a solid five because I think there is some flaws. Where just kind of the overall, just kind of some of the writing could have been a little better. But overall, just pretty accurate. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and you can tell why the NFL hated this movie coming out because oh, it yeah. kind of exposed a lot of stuff, though over the top, I think at times, but mm-hmm. look at us, we're going into the 2019 season yeah. and they're calling all this stuff in 99. Yeah. And this is the first movie to ever really show this is what's kind of going down in the NFL, uh-huh. you know, it's shown the sacrifice that people just to get their bonus, how brutal it can actually, how be. brutal this actually yeah. can be and what, what are they going to do after it's over? Yeah. You know, let's do some trivia. All right, let's do it. How do you like that trivia? So here's your first bit of trivia. Um, there was a couple uh, actors that were picked to play Steeman Willie Beeman before Jamie Foxx. Can you name, uh, I'll give you one hint, they are black as well. But can you... Were they also on In Living Color? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that is a negative. So uh, there was a first choice and a second choice and then they landed with Jamie Foxx. Because remember, Jamie Foxx wasn't that well known. He was more of a comedian back then. Yeah. All right, let's see, late 90s. Will I'll give Smith? You a hint. I'll give you a hint. You'll never guess. Uh, no, Will Smith would have been a great guess, so. <laughs> That's my hint. You'll never guess. Uh, I can tell you one was a rapper and one was a comedian. One was a rapper. Yeah. That's, that's the hint I'll give you. All right, I'm going to go comedian Chris Rock, because that just seems awesome. <laughs> and rapper. Who? This is 1999. Puff Daddy. Okay, boom. Puff Daddy <laughs> was the first choice to play. Well, he was like an actual football player. That's how he got his no. nickname. No, he wasn't. Uh, it turns out, I think he played some football, but he... Well, was, in like high school he did. He has no clue how to throw a football, yeah. so that's what happened. Puff Daddy had to bow out. I think he's Puff Daddy at the time. He was. Because yeah. they couldn't teach him how to throw a football. Yeah. It just looked so bad on the field, so they just had to... I believe he... This part's not for you. Because that's how he got his nickname, Puffy. He would puff out his chest because he was, like, small. I think he was yeah, a defensive I, player. I don't, yeah, I think he definitely played football, but quarterback was not his thing. Yeah. And they're like, we can't pull this off. He doesn't know how to throw or whatever. Also, he's never acted before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he was really good at getting to the Greek. You know? <laughs> um, and you're almost, you're almost there on the uh, comedian. It was not Chris Rock. It was Chris Tucker. Ah. Chris Tucker was the choice to play <laughs> Willie Beeman. Overall, I'm really glad. I think That's no one else could have been Willie really Beeman than Jamie Foxx. Oh, I think he was, he was great for the he role. He was the right age for it, and he also played uh, quarterback in high school. Yeah. So he, he had that. Like, he knew how to throw football, just obviously at the time, Puff Daddy was. And Chris, uh, Chris Tucker, I guess, were too, so over Jamie Foxx. But overall, Jamie Foxx is Willie Beeman. So. Yeah. Um, another kind of casting thing. Um, there was an actor that was a first choice, and there's also a second choice to play Coach Tony That's before Al Pacino got asked to play the role. Can you Let's name see. what what uh, they were? Uh, who, they, who they were? De Niro. That is correct. De Niro was uh, the second choice to play Coach Tony. First choice. And here, so Robert De Niro always linked with Al Pacino some way or the other. Um, turned down the role. Uh, the first choice, though. Turned, lost, turned down the role because he wanted to direct the movie as well. But they're like, no, we want Oliver Stone to direct this movie. Yeah. So you need to just play the, the coach. Robert you, Redford. That was, that was a really, I'll give you a solid guess. I'll give you a half point for that. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Oh. They originally wanted Clint Eastwood to play coach Tony, uh-huh. but he wanted to direct the movie as well. And Oliver Stone was already slated to direct, so Clint Eastwood said, if I can 
That makes sense because he always acts in everything he directs. Yeah. So he wants full control yeah, that over this performance. Totally movie. Overall, once again, I'm going to say Robert De Niro would have been fun. I, I wouldn't probably have enjoyed Clint Eastwood that much as a coach. Yeah. Um, Al Pacino, so. I think, was perfect because yeah. he's intense. You can see how this is a popular coach in this league. So I think uh, they made the, once again. Al Pacino, and also Al Pacino is known to say that was one of his favorite roles he did. Yeah, because it was a it was a big break for him to not be a cop or a gangster, essentially, because yeah. <laughs> that's all he was up to that point. Uh-huh. Uh, there was that uh, Mark Schlereth from uh, the Denver Broncos at the time said Al Pacino would like show up to some of their practices just watching to study for the role. Al Pacino had a lot of fun just kind of diving into the research of. I think you can tell he was having a good time there. Yes. Um, Cap Rooney's house was actually um, a famous Miami Dolphins player's house. Marino. Yes. <laughs> Cap Rooney's house <laughs> in the movie is Dan Marino. So it's that real, realistic aspect. Yes. Um, when Willie goes to uh, Coach Tony's house, uh, Ben Hur is playing in the background. Uh, Charlton Heston actually ends up making a cameo in the movie as the commissioner of this football league. They had the permission to use Ben-Hur because Charlton Heston agreed to be in the movie. So being in the movie, Charlton Heston also gave them licensing to use his image in Ben-Hur. And obviously Ben-Hur is a big metaphor in the movie, which was just really on the nose. Like, um, kind of get the reference to yesterday's rebels or today's establishment. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of the, where football pretty much evolved from, you know, uh, those kind of games. Um, Oliver Stone is a big 49ers fan. So that's why off-camera that you hear the reference uh, San Francisco winning the championship. So that was Oliver Stone just like, no matter what, 49ers are going to win this. So he was needling at Cowboys fans the entire time. Totally. What a dick. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it's, it came out that Oliver Stone, just if you really break down everything that happened, he's a big 49ers fan. So it brings the question, why wasn't this team taking place in San Francisco? But instead, it's off-camera that the San Francisco 40... Not the 49ers. Whatever the San Francisco team beat the Sharks in the second round and then won the championship. And they say it off-camera. Um, Oliver, you dick. Yeah. Um, many arena football players at the time appeared as uh, extras. So a lot of the extra players that you just see like on the offensive line and stuff that didn't have like speaking parts were actually arena football players. Yeah, that was their off-season. The NFL actively tried to prevent their own players from being in this movie. There's only one player that agreed, and he was a 49er wide receiver at the uh-huh. time. Ends up being a future Cowboys player, Terrell Owens. That's true. He wears number 82, though, to not confuse, because instead of his number 81. In it for an uh, entire two seconds. When, when you're that. looking for it, you realize Terrell Owens caught a couple touchdowns yeah. for the Sharks. In that, in the, in the, one was in the montage, and one was in the actual Dallas Knights game. Seems like a key player, Yeah, we never meet him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, maybe just, I don't know. I mean, Trello Owens, like, on the 49ers, was a little bit more tamer at that time. Yeah. It was uh, kind of calm before the storm. Uh-huh. Um, another fun fact, um, LL Cool J took his scripted rivalry way too serious with Jamie Foxx, that Jamie Foxx obviously is more of an actor than LL Cool J are. Hello, Cool J took it a little bit too seriously of the way Jamie Foxx was treating him. He actually really punched him in the face. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and there was actually a noticeable cut on Jamie Foxx's forehead where LL Cool J actually like gave that to him where they had to get broken up because he got so pissed off at him. Going method. Um, Jamie Foxx also um, hilariously brought this up in a stand-up where he talked, recalled the whole fight just basically from LL Cool J where he at one point was... He admitted he was being a dick to him, but pulled out the script and says, See, in the script, I'm supposed to say that to you because we're acting. And he got pissed and punched him in the face. 
<laughs> which is funny because in the movie he actually punches him in the face as part of the script as well. So two different punches. One was part of the script and one was just LL Cool J couldn't handle Jamie Foxx was playing his character. He became the role, truly. <laughs> yeah, he became the character. Um, Johnny Unitas uh, appears in this movie as a coach as well. Um, Barry Switzer is the announcer in the Dallas game. Of course, Barry Switzer, that's your boy. He's a Dallas... Oh, God. Uh, Oklahoma University coach and then a Dallas Cowboy coach. Um, what, what, what's your feelings on Barry Switzer? Uh, Barry is... Yeah. He was not... How, how do you take that team, that all-time great team, and not win three more Super Bowls? That he even got the one was just the team doing it themselves. He had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. He was out of the game for 10 years, had never coached in the NFL, and fucking Jerry, and all his infinite trivia. wisdom, runs uh, runs Jimmy out of town, and yeah. God, that fucking clown. One more little uh, jab that Oliver Stone did throw in there is he had Barry Switzer yell at one time when he was announcing, like, oh my God, he hit the official, he hit the official, which was a reference to the 1994 NFC Championship game where... Barry Switzer, when he was the Cowboys coach, actually got a 15-yard penalty because he ran into the official. <laughs> so Oliver Stone threw that in the script lost as well. the Niners, no less. Yep, yep. And, of course, another 49ers reference yeah. for Oliver Stone. Um, the Miami Sharks Stadium is actually the Orange Bowl Stadium in Miami, Florida. Okay. So that's where they played. A lot of uh, high school kids were used uh, as extras for the field. So they would uh, station them throughout all the different takes. So... Throughout a whole football game sequence, they would keep moving all these yeah. high school kids on like field trips and stuff, like move them to different sections to make the stadium look full. <laughs> Instead of just using regular extra. It's a good field trip. Um, That's a fact and trivia. LT was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, while shooting this movie. So, so yeah, Lawrence, the Lawrence Taylor, ex-NFL player, playing Lawrence Taylor in a movie and gets into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> At least he got that million dollar bonus. Again, real, real uh, method. Real meta there. Yeah. Um, the word fuck is said in this movie over a hundred times. Can you guess the exact number of how many times it's said in this movie? Only over a hundred? Yeah, only over a hundred. 135. Close. You went a little over it. It's 117 times recorded that they said the word fuck in that movie. guessed way more. Yeah, it's like uh, Scarface like says it in like 60, 60 times in a scene, I feel like. So, <laughs> another Al Pacino movie. Um, this movie wasn't originally titled Any Given Sunday. Uh, it had another title. Spitball, anything that you'd call this movie? Game of Inches. Game of Inches. That's not a bad one. <laughs> Got any other fun titles? <laughs> Game of Inches was the, uh, the porno parody. Um, let's see... I would guess it would be something like uh, Gridiron Gladiators or yeah. something like that. Because uh-huh. that's what they're depicting. It's about how the players and their sacrifice. What was it? It was called The League. Yeah. Which is really lame. I like. I think Any Given Sunday is an appropriate title for this movie. Especially because now there's the, the hit show in FX yeah. that, that existed with fantasy football. It would just be funny if they switch turns and they're called Any Given Sunday. This is called The League. Different ways to look at history. So. Uh, that's all I got for uh, trivia. Yeah, submission. That's a fact and trivia. All right, so before we kind of wrap it up, um, this is an awesome uh, football movie, uh, but obviously there's there's a bunch of fictional football movies. So we're gonna do a little segment just called uh, Top Five Picks. Cool. Well, it's not the bottom; it's the. Do like you do picks of all time. So I'm gonna have you start this off. Um, where does this rank on, uh, as far as like fictional football movies for you, uh, on your board? Does it make your top five, and what is just your top five? Because I kind of have mine. I'm curious what yours is. It's close. It doesn't make the top five. Um, doesn't make your top. It doesn't five. make my top five, 
But only because the my top five are movies that are, I think it's more close to my heart. My number five, my hot take, is uh, Days and Confused. I maintain <laughs> that it's a football movie. Interesting. I don't look at it as a football movie, but I can see where you got there. So I believe that Varsity Blues, which I do not care for, Ooh. was trying to be Days and Confused with more focus on the actual football. Yeah. And we can debate, does a football movie need to show actual football or just deal with football players? Well, I think uh, in the spirit, if you're going to do a top five, I think football should be like a center part about the plot. I think like, you know, just like any given Sunday that it's about other parts about the characters, but I think like... It doesn't need to be all about football, mm-hmm. but I think football needs to be kind of. Part I think of it. I think and the you're uh, not wrong with Days and Confused. It's I think, about will um what's will, his what's will the quarterback nuts? play or not? Yeah, and he will decides he sign that contract. He decides to stick up for what he believes in, and go get high and drunk for an entire senior season. Yeah. Instead of bow down to the man. Yeah, essentially, some NFL players still struggle with that. <laughs> uh, Ricky Williams did. <laughs> so. Um, okay, right, so, so then top five Days and Confused. So then my number four. Um, would be, would be remember the, remember the Titans. Okay. Um, which that was a really classic. It's a good. It's a, it's a good film. Yeah. And it's, that's uh, an example. It's about football, but it's also about like segregation. It's about yeah. Other stuff going on. So uh-huh. that's why it's you know football movies always kind of have a little bit more to them. Yeah. All right. What's number three? Three, uh, Friday Night Lights. The okay. movie. Even though I'm a huge fan of the, the, I think the TV show is some of the best fictional football stuff out there. It's incredible. At least that first season. Yeah, I kind of perfect. forgot about the the movie. The movie's actually not that bad. Really. It's a pretty good. It's um, I think a really good depiction of, of Texas, high school football. And you are uh, you grew up in Texas, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah. Which is I think why the days and confused. I like I recognize that type of no no love for Varsity Blues though. That's that's <laughs> like a cartoon version of it. Um, it was MTV. So. so three Friday Night Lights, uh, two Little Giants. Okay. Even though this is more. Needling at Cowboys fans. Yeah, you, did you get over the Giants beating the Cowboys at the end? I still maintain that the annexation of Puerto Rico is an illegal play <laughs> that definitely should have been reviewed. Um, but I watched that. I, I can't even tell you how many times as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I even went to, to get Alka Seltzer and put it in my mouth and let it foam out just like they did. <laughs> to, oh, yeah, intimidation. The they learned that from uh, Bruce Smith. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, that, that crazy Spike kid. Oh, yeah. Also, Al Bundy's the coach of the he Cowboys. Is. Rick Moranis. Do you want Jason Garrett to get report uh, replaced with Al Bundy? I want Rick Moranis. You want Rick Moranis? He He's got more of the, the brains he and the smarts. He knows how to so. operate a team. It would make more sense if they just would combine and you got his offensive brains and they took that kid <laughs> with that old computer coming up with plays, oh, illegal or not, you know. <laughs> That was Sean McVay as a little young age. That was, yeah. yeah he's like on the computer. <laughs> I got the annexation of Puerto Rico. Oh, nerd. Yeah. Young uh, McVay. Number two is that, uh, Little Giants. My number one, uh, The Waterboy. Yeah. The Waterboy. I love that movie. Um, of course, not at all a real take on football. It is a Sandler cartoon of football. Yes. But yes. I think the only football movie that ever made myself, especially, or like any young football playing kid, want to be on the defense. Yeah, I remember practicing spear tackles in the backyard of my brother after we saw that movie, and wanted to like play, like you know, get some sacks. Yeah, it was they made it cool. Um, and that, that, they kind of like was that that was supposed to be Division One football, right? Or is that Division Three or something? They it was like a made up university, and it was called the Mud Bowl. Uh, so it kind of felt like it was like a fictional world. It's Division One because they play like the top, like I think like the Alabama like analog of yeah, of this fictional. So, yeah, yeah. It's like Louisiana. 
state or what have you. Something like that. Yeah. So it was a rise up. Um, it'd be interesting if you had a player like Bobby Boucher that would just influence the entire game as much <laughs> as he did. Whereas just having one player that plays middle linebacker, he just hits people so much they put him on offense. They just <laughs> smash people around. Uh, yeah, I got a I got a secret spot for the water boy. I think that's a pretty solid top five. I kind of went a little different direction. Um, I'm throwing any given Sunday in that list. Yeah. I had um, Rudy at number five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rudy is a classic movie in the underdog story. It's based on a true story. Um, college football. I mean, I think Rudy's very inspirational, and it's just fun to watch like an old time football movie like Rudy. Um, put any given Sunday at number four. Um, Especially rewatching this of just like wow they really just nailed the NFL mm. before the NFL really got exposed and uh, it's it's very rewatchable it's really fun and I think the problem is a lot of people don't even really remember that yeah when you kind of discuss movies and uh, I put Waterboy at number three um, for the same reasons we like it and then I got Little Giants at number two can you guess what my number one is. It's going to really piss you off. Number one. <laughs> it's Varsity Blues. <laughs> I love Varsity Blues. Uh, Varsity Blues is crazy to me because, I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you said. But overall, for a football movie, I thought it really kind of delivered for high school. I do like Days and Confused and I didn't even thought about it as one. But I thought it was really awesome game coverage of how it got shot. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's a, the high school stuff's a little over the top, but everyone's had a coach like that in your life that's like Bud Kilmer. I do think John Voight does really yeah. kill that role. And um, even though it's MTV, there's some cheese involved. Um, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous that Bud Kilmer, you know, the co- the team turns on him at the end and then he's not even coaching, but all the adults leave. So then uh, just uh, Lance Harbour and his broken uh, ACL tear is uh, coaching the team. And then... The other argument I hate about Varsity Blues, but they tried to like take it credit for inventing the spread offense, no huddle. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like that kind of existed already. But overall, Varsity Blues, it's like one of the more rewatchable football movies for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I do, I, I'm fine with your list well, as well. Well, most so. of these movies, my top five, they just, I saw them at the right moment. Yeah. And whatever the reason was, when I saw Varsity Blues as a kid, I had, this, I was like, nah, I don't care for it. I think, I want to say I was like comparing it to, Titans, and uh, and things like that. But it just it just didn't click with me. I, I and for the record, I like remember the Titans, uh, Days and Confused. I like your hot take on it's considered a football movie. I wasn't even thinking about that. Another one that I do like too is Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of have a soft spot for the movie Draft Day too. Yeah, there, there's a weird thing. It's it's not as much more of a football management movie, but some of the trades he makes are pretty ridiculous. But I kind of enjoyed it. For some reason, Costner, right? Yeah, Costner, yeah. and then it's also uh, Reitman. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. So, and uh, also, it's about the Cleveland Browns, and they finally have turned it around in real life. <laughs> and Dennis Leary is the coach of the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> and he sets fire to their whole uh, draft um, um, cheat sheet, like their scouting reports, and he throws it on Kevin Costner's desk because he's like, "You madman, this is all our hard work." <laughs> Pretty crazy. Um, before we go to, I want to talk about one more top five that I have, uh, just because I thought Willie Beeman was just an amazing quarterback, mm-hmm. just in this movie. I mean, you know, Cap's okay too. We forgot about that second stringer. Oh, but uh, Willie Beeman was just really fun. So I kind of thought it'd be fun to think of like a top five fictional uh, quarterback movie. So here's my top five, and we'll kind of jump in if you kind of agree. So 
Going with Varsity Blue as a number five is Jonathan Moxon. Mm-hmm. This is the best thing that James Vanderbeek's ever done. Great quarterback name, too. Jonathan Moxon, awesome, wearing Brett Favre's number, number mm-hmm. four, takes over. It's another one of those stories. The star quarterback goes down. Didn't get to see Lance Harbor enough to really know how great he was, but Moxon, you know, he had, uh, he had it all, and he wanted to go to Brown. Uh-huh. You know, he had some brains, too, as well, <laughs> so... Um, you know, he's, he's also got the ladies as well, like oh, yeah. Cream Bikini with Allie Larder, but then also he's got Amy Smart. That's um, Amy Smart during her heyday. So, yeah. like Jonathan Moxon, um, I think uh, a classic quarterback is Paul Crew. Um, you know, Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. from the longest yard. I think, you know, Mean Machine. He's definitely like, the coolest of all the official He's so cool. And rest in peace, but Burt Reynolds, yeah. you know, um, gone too soon, but iconic character, just mm-hmm. like many of his characters. Number three, I'm throwing Willie Beeman into that mix, mm-hmm. and that was the only reason I wanted to come up with this list, because Willie Beeman was just, like, kind of great, and I also think it's like, really kind of shed a lot of light on what it's like to be a young quarterback that gets in the limelight really fast, and also, like, realistic for how NFL quarterbacks are now. Like, yeah. there's more bootlegs, there's more read options, mobile quarterbacks are kind of in... So I think Willie Beeman is a good depiction of like this is a real actual like real life quarterback. Yeah. Fun fact though, uh, Jamie Foxx is only five foot nine. So besides Russell Wilson, I don't think we have that many quarterbacks under five ten. Not many. Yeah. Russell Wilson's only one that I can think of that really is kind of like short and that works for him. We just he has, he has the skill. He's got that motor. Yeah. So I got a theme going on here that you're gonna figure out really quick. But number two is Johnny Utah from Point Break. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Keanu Reeves, the Ohio State quarterback that busted up his knee in the big game, uh-huh. and now he turned FBI agent. And his secret identity—I love Point Break, by the way. We're gonna definitely do that on filming you in soon. But um, he goes undercover as Johnny Utah, but now he's a surfer. So it's like anyone can figure out that Johnny Utah is like actually now an <laughs> FBI agent, first quarterback ever, a famous college quarterback too. I'm an FBI agent going a different direction. There. <laughs> Real trailblazer. Yeah, and they have that amazing uh, lit by uh, car headlights, like football game on the beach against Patrick yeah. Swayze. Um, and number one, not a good movie, but another Keanu Reeves quarterback, Shane Falco from The Replacements. <laughs> also a great quarterback name. Amazing quarterback name. All I got to say about Shane Falco is, of course, he's number one um, on my list. It's played by Keanu Reeves. Awesome quarterback name. And if you remember the opening scene... They show that he's living on a boat now because mm. his NFL dreams are over. Another similar to Johnny Utah as well. But he still trains underwater with scuba gear, <laughs> throwing right. passes to like some kind of junk underneath the water by, like, by his docking area. I'm in. You can take the QB out of the game. <laughs> yeah. You can't take the game out of them. That's my top five, though. Jonathan Moxon, I got Paul Crew, Willie Beeman, Johnny Utah, and Shane Falco. That's a good, that's a solid top five. I, uh, yeah, I've got really excited when I was thinking of this. So, um, <laughs> training underwater, just that takes number one for me. <laughs> Is there any people that you would possibly, uh, not really necessarily bump off, but maybe some other people I should put consideration in? I, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. This is TV. Okay. Um, but my boy, my number one uh, fictional quarterback pick, uh, Matt Saracen. Little, okay. little plucky Matt Saracen. Who was again thrust, what much like Willie Beeman, into the the spotlight after a star quarterback James Street, yeah, um, goes down with a, a gruesome back injury, uh, and just through sheer determination, he gets him to state, yeah, and he gets uh, he gets the victory, and he is uh, immortal in small town Texas, yeah, no, and I love that because I think Texas is always like 
you think of football when you think of Texas. You think yeah. of barbecue. Uh-huh. Think of barbecue. I think like George Bush and football. <laughs> it's like the three Texas things. Oh yeah, small so, town Texas. That's, that's yeah. It. Friday Night Lights is a very iconic show, and um, I, I'll allow it. Obviously, didn't make my list. I gotta actually kind of rewatch that show. I think. It's oh, incredible. It's really interesting though talking about this list. You know, we watched any given Sunday. Have they ever really made a quarterback movie where it's not like? The old quarterback is down, and the new one has to rise up. There's always a replacement There's quarterback. There's always, like, this who, is always going on. It was not ready at first. Shane Falco takes over when the guys God, take on strike. By God, they figure it out pretty quickly. You know, Jonathan Moxon takes over for Lance Harbor. You got uh, Willie Beeman taking over for Cap. Yeah, it's always, like, the story. You got the I want to see well. the movie about just, like, the bad quarterback. It's like, he's the best we got. He's terrible. <laughs> who, who would that be in the NFL? Let's <laughs> be like, oh, this is all we're dealing with. Would be like uh, <laughs> Doug Peterman, <laughs> Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman. Yes, so okay. his name was Doug. <laughs> All right, so that's what I'm gonna try to green light. We're gonna do a Nathan Peterman film <laughs> where it's just uh, he throws like four interceptions like right when he plays and just rides the bench for a while, and then somehow is on a new team, and then just be like. All right, Nathan Peterman. <laughs> you play like the Foo Fighters, like hero, like music getting you pumped up. And he just throws a pick. He's on the bench, like oh, I don't know. I mean, Tom Brady's don't grow on trees, man. <laughs> they don't. They don't. So, um, anything else? Any kind of final thoughts? Football? Any given Sunday? Oh, it's a good watch. Um, even though it's not in my top five, definitely uh, one of the more rewatchable football movies. I think. Yeah, definitely. And. Uh, Willie's definitely a top five fictional quarterback. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, well, hey, man, this was fun. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's and, been a pleasure. Uh, I, I can't wait. You know, you did it you did well. You're like Willie Beeman, you know, just coming off the bench. And oh, just learning as you go. There. You know, a yeah. couple pukes here and there, but <laughs> just uh, steady yeah. your resolve. Thank you all for listening. This is the Filming You In Show. It's part of the Grilling Out Podcast Network. Make sure you rate and review us. And until uh, next time. Like film, that's what they all say. Great movies, it's the American way. I wish they had a show where they reviewed movies, which they do. It's called the Filming You Win Show. I like movies, big, big movies, big movies. It's floating pictures, it's so great movies. So join us, everybody, for the Filming You Win Show. Let's get some lunch.